Hey everyone, this is Caleb here from In the Mood for Real History. Now before you get started with this episode, if you haven't heard, I want to tell you about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast, so let me explain it to you. First off, being on a teacher's salary, I love that it is free. There's also creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. So make sure to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi, everyone. Let's discuss the lie that invented racism. So last week, I had a very raw and in-depth conversation out of nowhere with one of my classes. One of my students asked me point blank, where did racism come from and how is it 2020 and it's still a thing? And I'm going to be honest with you. For a moment, I was kind of at a loss for words because, you know, these are 15-year-old students asking a very deep and loaded question. More so than anything, I had that moment of realization that despite being on Zoom, for a moment, all eyes were locked on me. And for a teacher during the age of COVID, this is amazing. But what is up with white people? What makes one person think that they're superior to the other simply because of their skin color? And I know it's a question that people of color have been asking for centuries. And over the last few years, this is something that I have really thought on, and I feel like there are many people that are in the same boat as me. And notice how I am saying us white people, as in all of us, not just the ones with the hoods, tiki tortures, and swastikas that our soon-to-be former president thinks has good people included, but don't get me wrong, they're a threat and commit the majority of acts of domestic terrorism in our country, but what I'm wanting to discuss is something even more immense and pervasive. And that's white people at large. And maybe even more so, I'm talking about people like me, one of those self-described progressives that doesn't want to be racist. And that's the type of person I was raised to be. I grew up learning racism is wrong and racist are bad people. At the same time, I grew up in a relatively affluent small town that was very, very white in Alabama. And I'm speaking for myself in saying that I believe this allowed me to view those hooded racist figures that I learned about for probably 15 seconds in my history textbook, that they came from some other place or some other time period. It wasn't about us, and I didn't feel really implicated in that. And I would say that I'm still in recovery from that early belief. A recovery that I am still in the process of growing out of each and every day. You know, I went to college and I majored in criminology and history in part because I am passionate about education, equality, and justice. But the notion of racism was always a complicated puzzle to me. Why is it with us if it's so clearly wrong? What struck me was that maybe uh, I was not looking in the right place or asking the right questions. And let's face it, this year has been a reckoning on an unimaginable level. But then again, these issues were here well before 2020. George Zimmerman killed Trayvon Martin, followed by this unending string of high-profile police shootings of unarmed black people. The rise of Black Lives Matter movement, Dylan Roof and the Charleston Massacre, the death of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Walter Wallace Jr., and all these incidents from the day-to-day lives of Americans. These overtly racist incidents that we now get to see because they're captured on smartphones and sent across the internet for all time. But beneath the media are also those pesky facts and data that shows systemic racism in every institution we have. Housing segregation, job discrimination, the racialized inequities in schools, and the criminal justice system, just to name a few. But what truly did it in for me, and I know I'm probably not alone in thinking this, 
is the rise of Donald Trump and the horrifying reality that the majority of Americans, nearly 73 million to be exact, would support or accept this raw kind of white identity politics. This disturbed me as a human being, and especially one living in the South. One of the main questions I keep coming back to is where did this idea of being a white person come from? Crazy concept here, I know, but I did some research and I read a lot on this subject from leading sociologists and historians dealing with race and the history of race. And you know, the science doesn't lie. We are one human race, we all are related, and all of us descended from a common ancestor in Africa. And over time, some of us migrated into out of Africa into cooler, darker places and lost a lot of their melanin. Some of us more than others, you know, but overall we are 99% genetically the same. There's no gene for whiteness or blackness or Asianness. So how did this happen? How did racism start? And if you were to ask me a few years ago, I would have told you something along the lines of, well, somewhere a long, long time ago, people encountered each other and realized, wow, hmm, you're strange to me. You have different colored skin or hair, so I will jump to the conclusion that you're less than me. So that makes it all good to then mistreat you. <laughs> and I feel like I'm not alone in this thinking and that a lot of white people would dis or would agree with me about a story similar to this, something along those lines. So if we assume that racism developed out of this timeline, then it all seems to be one big misunderstanding, a failure to communicate. Well, guess what? That's just wrong. Race is in fact a recent invention. It's only a few hundred years old. Before that, yes, people divided themselves up by religion, tribal group, and languages, but for the majority of human history, there was not an understanding of race. Now, right here, I know there are a lot of people yelling at their computers that there was a lot of slavery in the ancient world. <laughs> yes, there was, but people enslaved people who did not look like them, and that's been going on, yes. The English word slave comes from the word Slav, because Slavic people were enslaved by all kinds of people for centuries. Slavery was not based on race during this time because race was not even a concept yet. So who did come up with this concept of race? So I researched one of the leading historians on race, Dr. Ibram X. Kendi, who detailed how one person, who should be a whole hell of a lot more famous, or I guess infamous in this case, and anyway, his name is Gomez de Zazara, and a Portuguese, he was a Portuguese man who wrote a book in the 1450s that did something that no one had ever done before. He lumped all of the people of Africa together into this one distinct group being inferior and beastly. Now, Africa being, you know, a vast and diverse continent, yet he came down to these two descriptors. Now, you know, we have to overlook the fact that in pre-colonial times, Africa had some of the most sophisticated cultures and empires that humankind had ever witnessed. From Mansa Musa, who was the wealthiest human in history, with his Mali empire, you know, to the kingdom of Ghana, and so many others. There are so many empires with rich culture and history that were completely whitewashed, pun intended, out of Zazara's book. So why would Zarara make this claim? Like every other investigation, it helps to follow the money. Zarara was hired by this Portuguese king to write this book. Just a few years before, slave traders from Portugal were the first Europeans to pioneer the, America, or the Atlantic slave trade. They were the first Europeans to sail to sub-Saharan Africa to kidnap and enslave Africans. All of a sudden, it became really important to have a story that depicted the African people as inferior. This helped to justify this new trade to not only themselves, 
but to other people and to the church. But Zarara did more than just write a book. He helped to construct the idea of blackness and whiteness. His description of Africans led to the creation of blackness, and to quote Dr. Dr. Kendi, blackness has no meaning without whiteness. Other Europeans followed Portugal's template to gaining you know, human property and free labor, but more importantly, they helped to foster the lies Zarara created about the inferiority of African people. Upon realizing this, though, I found it to be really clarifying. Racism didn't start as some misunderstanding between groups of people way back in ancient times, but rather it started with a lie. So let's jump across the Atlantic to colonial America, you know, where colonists were calling themselves white. They started building a nation on the foundation of these racist ideas and turned them into law. Laws that stripped all human rights from people they were calling black and locking them into a, a life of slavery. These laws gave even the poorest white people benefits. Not substantial benefits and material wealth, because, you know, those elites have to keep and maintain their power, but the right to not be enslaved for life. To not have your loved ones ripped away from you and sold, and this real good one dealing with the handouts of free land in a colony such as Virginia. Which, you know, I also need to clarify was stolen land from the Native Americans, but that's another rant for another day. But anyway... I can only imagine that there are people listening, and if you haven't already had a Donald Trump-style Twitter meltdown, who are probably thinking, why does this matter? It happened hundreds of years ago. Things have changed, right? While we have made progress, I would argue that learning this real history has brought about an entirely new perspective dealing with how I understand race today. So let's, you know, do a quick review of the two main points so far. One, Race is not a biological thing, but rather a story decided, people decided to tell. And two, people told that story to justify the exploitation of other human beings for profit. Once these two facts sink in, it becomes clear that racism is a product of attitudes, but it's also more so a tool. It was a tool that was used to prop up economic systems and political systems that advantage some and disadvantage others. It's also a tool to convince a lot of white folks who aren't really benefiting from society to support the status quo. Maintaining the status quo meaning, oh, well, I may never be rich, but it could be worse. At least I'm white. Once I, I was able to grasp this origin of racism, I've been able to stop being shocked at the fact that it still exists. Racism is not something that ended in 2009 with Obama being elected or some, you know, ignorant way of thinking that will eventually die out. This tool of racism is still doing and succeeding at the job it was created to do. If this election in the last four years have shown you anything, it's that it is still alive and well. Powerful individuals go to work each day and get to leverage this tool for not their own gain. Not only in the government, but in many news agencies that starts with an F and ends with OX, and even down to your local businesses. We need to worry about whether or not they are really racist or whether they meant what they said. But what is more important is pocketbooks and power. The most important takeaway from all of this, and I'm going to speak directly to white people in particular for a minute. Once we understand that people who look like me invented the very notion of race in order to advantage themselves and us, it becomes easier to see that it is our problem to solve. If I spill my coffee, I can't rely on someone else to solve it for me and clean it up. I have to clean up my own mess. This is a white people problem. We cannot rely on people of color to educate us 
or fight this problem that we created and benefit from daily. And I know what a lot of you are thinking right now. You didn't have anything to do with slavery, so why do you have to fix it? And for the longest, I thought that it wasn't my fight. I wasn't one of those real racists that wore a hood, so I didn't need to or I didn't know how to get involved. I genuinely wanted to see people of color win, but I, I want to fill you in on a little something. There are no sidelines in this. We're all involved and we are all implicated. If I am not joining the fight to destroy a system that advantages me, then I am complicit. This isn't about shame or guilt. White guilt does, doesn't solve anything because history is not my fault and it's not yours. What I do feel, though, is an immense sense of responsibility to actually do something. This has changed the way I think and the way I approach life in general. But what does this mean for all of us? Could it mean that we support leaders who are you know, working to transform unjust institutions? Or could it be that we just, instead of approaching the topic of racism with a sense of resentment and defensiveness, we approach it with humility and an open heart? More than anything, we need to approach it with a willingness to put down this power that we did not earn. I truly believe that we could all benefit if we can transform our society that isn't built on the exploitation of anyone. But more importantly than anything I've discussed tonight, we should simply do this because it's the right thing to do. And that's the main thing. It's the right thing to do. So anyway, if you're still watching this right now, I hope you enjoyed. Uh, make sure to let me know what you think in the comment section. And y'all have a great night.